In a world which often seems to be on the brink of some kind of undisclosed apocalypse, it often seems like the future of humankind is underground. Retreating to tunnels and caves and shelters to escape natural disasters, asteroid strikes or even nuclear annihilation is a commonly seen trope in today's mass media. But believe it or not, there are already many people who have been forced to seek out their dwellings in the recesses of society. These are mole people. The world's homeless, stuck with no alternative but to live in the inhospitable conditions of abandoned tunnels and sewers. You've probably heard stories about them that they eat dead rats and human flesh, that they've adapted to being able to see in the dark, and that they have their own tribe-like cities and cultures, and have children who never see the light of day. But none of this is true. In fact, the mole people are just ordinary people who fell on hard times and are trying to find somewhere to keep themselves safe. At the moment, homelessness is becoming a larger and larger problem, with homeless people having attention drawn to them in many countries around the world. But despite appearances in the media and some heartwarming stories of homeless folk who have had some special talent and got noticed and rescued from debilitating poverty, this just isn't the case for the vast majority of people living rough. Having fallen on hard times and losing everything, barely making enough money to eat, it's not surprising that many seek the underground for shelter. They're not staying down there anymore. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey guys, how's it going? Great. Fine. Hi. This week, we're talking about underground horror, not the dark web kind, mm. not the kind you have to watch on YouTube or buy a DVD from Amazon, but the kind that takes place literally underground, subterranean, homesick horror. Uh, my pick for this week is the 2005 or 2006. The releases uh, vary a little bit depending on the country, but The Descent written and directed by uh, Neil Marshall, whose uh, feature debut was the 2002 Dog Soldiers, which I really like, and I hope that we will talk about Dog Soldiers soon. The Descent is pretty simple. I think of this as kind of a action-adventure horror about a gang of friends who like to go out and do outdoorsy stuff, and they go, um, I don't know if this is like spelunking, Oh, yes. I, I said is, spelunking, is spelunking when I was watching it. <laughs> spelunking. Yeah, I think they're spelunking. It's a great word. Even if it's not, we just have to say that as many times as possible. <laughs> yes, yeah, spelunking will be there. They're going down into underground caves, and uh, things go a little bit awry. It's kind of like an ensemble character. There's Sarah. There's Juno. Uh, I thought Holly was pretty well developed. And then there's just like Becky, Becky, Becky. But they uh, encounter some critters down there. I thought this hold uh, this holds up great. Very, very good movie. Um, I hadn't seen this since the mid aughts. Um, I loved it at the time, and I thought it uh, it holds up great today. What'd you think, Kevin? 
I love this movie. This is a regular rotation flick for me. This is a comfort movie. <laughs> as fucked up <laughs> as that may sound. This is one that when I'm like, I just want to watch a horror movie. I don't want to scroll too much. I want to watch The Descent. I loved Dog Soldiers. And I was so excited for Neil Marshall to come out with yet another horror movie. And The Descent, it, it blew me away. I love the fact that it's an all-female cast. You are 100% right, Trent, that this is totally uh, questionable character development. In fact, the one thing he did to differentiate the characters was give them all different accents. And he thought that would be like <laughs> enough for you to be like, oh, that's the Irish uh, character. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. That's the English character. And there's the American. Um, but I think it ultimately does not sink the movie. This movie is scary as fuck. I never thought of myself as somebody that is necessarily claustrophobic, but I also guess I've also never been stuffed into a locker or a trunk and been presented with what it might feel like to be claustrophobic. This movie. The scariest parts of it for me were the tunnel scenes. And it brought me back to movies like uh, In Frontiers. I don't know if you guys remember, there's like a really great tunnel scene in Frontiers. And in this one, when they have to squeeze through these tunnels and, and get somewhere, or there might be something behind them or in front of them they don't know, it scared the fucking shit out of me. And, and this movie legitimately still scares me to this day. Uh, I love this movie. Kat, I need you to weigh in. I got some I got some weights to in. Um I just want to go pounds. on the record that I would never go into any kind of a cave spelunking situation. So please guys don't try to plan anything like that. Um I'm just never going to do spelunker. it. I'm not a spelunker. Not in that not way. Not a workouting in our future. Nothing like that. Not no maybe. speak all evil cave diving. Yeah, I think I'd like to stay above ground uh, for our next uh, adventure. But uh, I think this movie's interesting because it's a horror film that's centered around these five women who go on this spelunking adventure uh, together. You're kind of like thrust into this female dynamic uh, and you can kind of see their relationships with each other change throughout the movie. Um, Everyone... You know, all the Beckys uh, started out like polite and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm just so excited to go fucking cave looking with you guys. Sisterhood. <laughs> and then it kind of slowly deteriorates once uh, shit hits the fan. Uh, but they they, I think, kind of keep their sense of camaraderie through, you know, the horrors that they're experiencing uh, up until the end. And I think the end was definitely my favorite part. I felt uh, some good karma coming off of them, and I was very into it. I love a good um, fucking that'll show a moment, as you know. Uh, I thought the mother-daughter focus was a very interesting theme uh, throughout this movie. Sarah has lost her daughter, and so you kind of see her anguish over it through flashbacks and with dialogue. And then there's this moment uh, when she kills a child's crawler uh and then the mother is there and cries or screeches out in anguish as well and obviously this and then she you know tries to kill her but there's that um i think it was like a powerful moment for sarah 
not in a good way maybe for her. I think it was like a sad, powerful moment when she realized that she had like killed someone else's child and then it was like that whole thing, but I thought that was interesting. Uh, the practical effects in this movie are very good, I think. The creatures look fucking crazy, like with their eyes like set in and they can't see. Their weird mouths that are very similar to a chud mouth. I think we can talk about that later. Mm, uh, yes. <laughs> so I'd say I'd say it's a step above chud, maybe in this department in the practical effects. Um, but I'm happy to chat about that later. Uh, but I thought the mix of uh, complete darkness with the upside down and spiraling camera work was very disorienting and claustrophobic. And all the jump scares always get me every time I watch this movie. I've seen it before. I'll watch it again. I love this movie, and I thought it was a great pick, so thank you so much. You're welcome, Kat. <laughs> um, uh, it was my pick, I, though. Yes. Well, she said thank you, though. To be for, clear. For picking yeah. it. So she's thanking me. Oh, right. Me. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, right. I got yeah. you. I love the descent. I think uh, a spelunking sounds like... Uh, like one of those urban legend sexual positions where you like have sex with someone with their head in the toilet or something. We're <laughs> uh, spelunked. Mm. <laughs> um, the thing I liked about The Descent is how many different types of horror movies are in one movie because the hospital scene and the, the intro is almost a whole different type of horror. There's a lot of psychological trauma kind of stuff happening, disorientation uh, hallucinations, dream states. Um, and then it flashes forward and you have this claustrophobic horror, uh, these little tiny spaces, this like, you know, woman against nature kind of thing. And then you have creatures and then, you know, the final fear that they have to encounter is mistrust within themselves. Like what, how it breaks down, uh, the, the friendships break down, the loyalties break down as they get into a tight spot. So I thought it was it's way more complex, but yes, very fun. Um, it has like so many like really just crude jump scares mm. that uh, I, I like that's the part that makes it fun. And I like the relationships uh, between the girls. I thought it's acted really well. I think this is like uh, one of those kind of anomaly like great all-around horror movies i think neil marshall's great but i don't think he'll ever nail it as hard as he did with this although i do like the sequel no nor has he the sequel's decent sequel's decent uh, he didn't, he, he didn't really? direct it uh, it reminded me a little bit of, of something like alien with the ensemble cast and the you know the different characters and the different motivations um maybe a little bit strained as far as that goes but i really liked that the first half of the movie it gets you on edge without any horror like the whole first half of the movie is just like the adventure and you know the the claustrophobia the cave lanch i guess or something <laughs> um hanging upside down you know going across the thing like it doesn't even give you the horror until you're already on edge it's already established that this movie like quickens the pulse and and gets you into that sort of like thriller mode and then it drops the real horror on you i think that's the mark of a, a well-done movie it takes a lot to make me feel anxious i, I don't I, i'm very fortunate i'm not somebody that generally feels anxiety in my day-to-day -day life however one of the things that really cripples me 
is I have a horrible sense of direction. I'm sure, Dave and Trent, that you have been in the car with me at some point in our lives and been like, why the fuck are you going this way to get there? I don't know. I, I, this is the way I know to get there. It might not be the best way, but something that cripples me is being, being lost. So when it gets to the point where they're going down the cave, so we've kind of set it up. This group of friends is going spelunking or cave diving, exploring. One of them a year ago went through a very traumatic experience, lost their husband and daughter. They're trying to sort of all get back together and bring it in. Another one of the friends decides we're going to go hardcore this time. We're going into this particular cave. And they get to a point where they're not where they're supposed to be. There's a cave in. They are trapped. They are lost. That terrifies me. Like, mm. I, I remember a time, like, driving around New York City and getting lost, not knowing where I was. I was in a very not good part of town, and I literally, like, broke inside. I couldn't function. And watching movies like this where people are lost and hopeless and potentially never getting out, is a, a, it really actually terrifies me. Well, besides the crawlers, I think the other antagonist of the film is probably Juno, right? Like, mm. nobody likes her. It's never outright said, though, but she definitely banged Sarah's husband, right? It's proven with, with the necklace, yeah. yes. Oh, she's like, what? I don't even know, fucking John probably was his name. John gave Juno this, like, blah, blah, blah. And then it all comes out in the cave. But even someone like me who's like, yeah, get that revenge, get it, girl. I'm like, is this really the time? Right now, you want to have this conversation while you're like surrounded by yeah, like agreed fucking weird cave mutants. You want to go down that road right now? You can't figure this out over brunch tomorrow. Like <laughs> <laughs> to be uh, the advocate here, you know, if I get stabbed in the neck, like there's no way I'm gonna live for the next. I might live for five hours. I don't expect you guys to drag me around and slow <laughs> you down, like. You know, I if would you're, do it. If you're d just about dying, if you're in that situation, you're miles underground and your like arm is missing, your head's cut open, like you have to leave them behind. Yeah, mm. but you can't not lie there's no, about it. There's no hope. There's no hope. But it was like, you know, the heartbreaking moment was that when she's like, don't leave me. And she's like, bye, bitch. Like fucking runs away. Like not even like a moment of being like, oh, it's okay. My so, bad. I'm so sorry. Did we all rent this on sure. Prime? It was free on Tubi or IMDb. I rented or something. it on Prime, I think. Yeah, yeah the descent. Yeah, I think I rented it on Vudu. The Descent Two is free on Tubi. So the American version has a different ending than the original yes, British I version. Yes, I noticed that. Oh, I think no. I saw the other ending last time. I, I saw. Think that yes, I. I think I like. Sorry, sorry, government. I. I think I torrented this or something when it first came out. And had the British version. And they decided that the British ending was too dark for American audiences. Yeah. So oh, if you rented man. it on Prime, you get the American ending, which is not the same as Neil Marshall's original. Okay. Can we tell people to check out for a second while we talk as amongst ourselves as grownups here? Yeah, if I mean I guess, you know What are the end what are the alternate endings? Yeah. Uh so Well the the Go ahead, Trent. I mean one ending is happy and one ending is not. I watched so the happy I, ending. 
I think that when I first saw this on DVD rental, I think that it was the unhappy one. I was when this ended, I was like, wait a minute, and I watched it twice. Like, but what? I'm sure that I saw the. I want unha- you to tell me what it is. But what happened? It There's is an unhappy ending. So I want she, you to tell me what it is. She she gets out, uh, gets you know gets out, gets into the car, crashes and a the car. Farmer. She's Juno sitting next to herself, and then ultimately is fine. In the unhappy ending, there's an extra minute where it flashes back to the fact that she's still sitting in the cave, and yeah. the light Aww. you see is a, and she's having a birthday. Her daughter is in front of her with a birthday cake, and then as the camera pulls out, you see that the birthday cake is simply her torch. And that the crawlers are all around her, and she's just hallucinating, and she never left the cave. I don't like that one. That's I like the so other one. much better. No, yeah, it's way no. darker, way yeah. darker. I don't well, want that one. Better. But you I'm couldn't keep have my had, American one. You couldn't have had the sequel without the American ending. So once again, America just oh, fucks everything. Capitalism up. wins again. You guys talked about uh, yummy on the Patreon. I mm. applauded Yummy for sticking like they they make you think there's going to be a happy ending and then bam. Yeah. <laughs> it's <yes>. like <laughs> bad ending. I always go for the bad ending. I hate happy endings. I like a happy ending every once in a while. Yeah. Like a marriage or something. Or just like getting out of the cave. <laughs> getting out, just getting <laughs> just surviving is okay. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. I think uh, Neil Marshall has been quoted as saying that um, – I mean, it's not necessarily happy. She she makes it out. Right. I don't know, I don't know how yeah, good I don't call. know how happy it is. She's exactly. haunted. See, I felt like it was like more of like a psych at that point it turned to a psychological horror where she's like, Well now yes. she's haunted by the decisions that she made in the cave. So I was I was into that. But she was a little I thought she was a little tough on Juno to be uh, oh. Honest. I mean, Juno is not a likable character. Eh. Um, I don't know if she really deserved that. Get out of the cave, and then you figure it out on the streets. You don't. Yeah, you don't, I don't just think... leave her to get eaten by fucking no crawly yeah. boys. Have any of you guys seen the sequel? Yeah, oh, yeah. I I didn't you like. You guys it. have? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it a long time ago. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of meat heady, even though it's like got only like one guy and a bunch of girls, and it has like this. Like Mountain Dew, like extreme, like yes, you know, kind Good of call. vibe. But <laughs> I like that about it. You know, I like I I don't hate it. Uh, I I realize that it's kind of like a good big budget horror movie. One thing that was interesting about the affair backstory is that I just somehow it doesn't really. It's kind of confusing. It doesn't. I don't even know how I picked up on it. To be honest, looking back, there was there was a point where I thought like, wait a minute, there was an affair. In this, and I don't even know, like, it, it doesn't really even tell you very explicitly, like, what it's doing, but it did somehow get that through to me. And then it was only later when I was reading about it, I was like, oh, there was an affair. Mm. Yeah, it was very good at, like, just giving you that subtle tip that, like, hold on now. Yeah. Juno has done more. It didn't just start today, Juno's been up to some stuff before this. It was all about that look right at the beginning. When yes. she's like getting out of the water and like he's like helping her and they just like share this look and right in that moment you know you're yeah, like oh bitch yeah. that's not your husband what are you do- why are you looking at him like that we had that very Blair Witch moment where the map kicked the map <laughs> into know, the river yeah yeah, yeah. the map <laughs> where are we going and uh, someone compromised them yeah. again also we had the dad cam like in Blair Witch that was cute but I thought that was effective. 
As soon as they fucking oh, turned was. that camera on and the infrared lights were, I was just like, nope. Oh, this is it. That's one of like, the scariest the moments yep. of any movie, in mm-hmm. my opinion. That's yeah. one of the scariest moments when they first I've show up. That. Yeah, when the that infrared vision. light. When the crawler's standing behind her. <gasps> yeah. Oh, that got me. It yeah, gets me every time. You see them kind of far away before that. And this is a monster movie. We're not even talking about the monsters a lot. So, you know what? Maybe Neil Marshall did actually accomplish something in terms of diverting us uh, from traditional horror things by having an all-female cast. Maybe we were more interested in the characters and their relationships because we are talking about that more than, than monsters. But this is a monster movie. And one of, the, one of the things that I read, which I loved, is they did not let any of the women in the cast see the monsters until that scene so they never saw what they were going up against they read a script obviously they knew they were monsters they never saw them until they showed up in a scene with them and they purposely kept them like unlighted until then and all of the cast absolutely fucking lost their minds screaming and ran off set the first time (laughs) they saw them as they were filming a scene so i thought i mean i thought that was cool i thought uh, the monsters themselves were great. They had to uh, shave all their body hair off and endure three and a half hours of makeup. Um, a lot of things that you read said that they were compared to like Nosferatu. Uh, some of the detractors of this film say they just look like big golems from Lord of the Rings. But mm. this is a good fucking monster movie, man. And I like the fact that like they made it like a, a colony. You know, like males, females, children. Um, I love the hints they gave that they do come out from underground and come up and kill in the nighttime and and bring their prey back down. I I, I love the monster angle and uh, and how Marshall handled the whole thing. Yeah, the depths of the earth are very, very scary and mysterious. You don't know what could be growing down there. I, I believe pretty much uh, anything when they when they make these kind of subterranean movies. There are so many iconic shots in this movie, like yes. the pool of blood oh, rising yes. out of the blood, the the mountains of bones and the, the torch lit uh, discoveries yeah. that go on. It's just like so many scenes are really are iconic and really effective. And I thought that a lot of the action sequences were very well filmed so that, you know, it really gives you uh, all the all the bang for your buck you want. Here's what blew my mind. I've, I've seen The Descent probably five, six, seven times. And the cave complex that you see in the movie looks so real. The whole thing was a set built by a dude. Uh, What's his name? Hold on. Simon Bowles, an award-winning set designer, built those caves so all everything you see in the caves is inside and it's not in a real cave. So ponder that the next time you watch The Descent. Shout out Compound Fracture. Big Compound Fracture in this. Always tough to see. Mm. Um, I think you had some entrails in this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Solid horror stuff. I feel like when you start your career with Dog Soldiers and The Descent, you know, oh my God, like expectations Nowhere to go but down. And and he went down. I mean, other than, I will give him this, and I know that not everybody on the show is a Game of Thrones fan, but... You know, he did do, like, the Blackwater episode of Game of Thrones, which is unbelievable. He did two very, very big um, Game of Thrones episodes. But it's like after that, he went, like, super weird, like, action fantasy 
but like what was always had movie? Like, what's that after what the descent i think it was doomsday it was doomsday yeah um which like went way more yeah like weird knights of the round table slash i have to have like a horror aspect to this um and 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 his latest movie that is coming out i believe in february is called the reckoning which again looks very it, it's 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 in horror but it's again it looks like action fantasy and and i don't know if any of you guys watched the hellboy remake that he did in 2019 but that was neil marshall as well yeah it wasn't it wasn't great mm. but the reckoning that's coming out um in early february i'm not sure how uh stars charlotte kirk who has been neil marshall's girlfriend living girlfriend for the last year if you guys want to get into some serious me too shit um and i'm not talking like it's not real cut and dry look up charlotte kirk and look up uh their the relationship with neil marshall and her history in the me too movement uh it'll keep you occupied for for a few days can't wait this movie was descent <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was beautiful. God. I'm haunted by, sorry, I'm haunted by the South, the episode when we did, um, I think it was the Korean horror episode where you made a soul joke and no one got it. And I got it on my re-listen and I was like, oh. I don't think that was a joke though. It was, I didn't mean to do it. it. I didn't mean to do it. It was purely coincidental. No, there's no, really? There's no way. I have something I in my brain it. that just uh, generates quips. <laughs> well, <laughs> I remember because I was. I remember because I was like, "Wow, nobody got nobody that." Got and I it. mentioned it. I Not mentioned it me. to Dave, and he was like, "Nah, I was just talking." There's no way, <laughs> you son of a bitch. pick this week was chud or cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers this movie is about a photographer who is documenting the lives of subterranean homeless people a population that has mysteriously dwindled after receiving information from a reporter he becomes aware of a conspiracy theory about cannibalistic monsters lurking in the sewers he teams up with the reporter, a policeman, and a priest to fight two battles, one against the cannibals and the other against a corrupt government official. Uh, Very so basically, yeah, uh, this uh, basically, the homeless people that live underneath the city have been poisoned. 
by radiation and are turning into monsters. I think this was a very fun watch. It's obviously a bit campy, but we all know that I love the camp. Uh, the practical effects are, are good. They're, they're interesting. I love them. Uh, there were a few moments when they were like very gory and very fun, but I kind of thought the chuds looked a little bit like sloth from Goonies, like they had that kind of vibe, but I was still into it. I also liked watching uh, John Hurd and Daniel Stern together because I honestly think I've only ever seen them in Home Alone. Uh, so two very different films, obviously, but wow. I like that they proved their horror acting chops early on uh, in their careers, and I appreciated it very much. Uh, but I also think this is a, a movie that has a lot of social commentary going on. Not just about government corruption and homelessness, but there was also a moment where the main character, George, and his partner are talking about whether or not to keep this baby that they've created. Um, and he's flat out like, it's your choice. I'll support whatever you're going to do, whatever you want, and then we'll go from there. And I feel like that was a very progressive stance to take in 1984, to flat out just say, it's your choice, pro-choice. You don't have to have this baby. You have a modeling career. But if you want to have this baby, let's have this baby. So I, I thought it was fun. I figured everyone else would like it. Yeah, it held up way better than I thought. Uh, I thought it was going to be more low budget. And as soon as it started with like this big overhead dolly shot, I was like, oh, Chud's kind of got a budget. Like the monsters look like something that someone made an art class. But... <laughs> The, the cinematography of the movie is actually very good, and it's a star-studded cast. John Goodman cameo oh. in the diner. Like, mm -hmm. what the hell? Credited as diner cop. Yeah. Yeah. And and there was like, you know, in the 80s, the 80s were plagued by toxic waste. Toxic waste was a big problem in the 80s, and you always had rich people that had all this toxic waste to hide somewhere, and they are always trying to put it places and that was the big, uh, you know, the big plight of the 80s superhero was the toxic waste in in the city. So, um, I don't know. Chud was great. Uh, it, it gave me that vibe of, like, uh, that documentary Dark Days of, like, showing the people that live under the, oh, the city. Oh, yeah, yeah, are, yeah, totally. There actually are people that live under the city like that. And I thought both their... Uh, they, they exploited, the, the photographer did exploit the homeless people for some sort of fashion, uh, some sort of like Kanye West type uh, <laughs> f fashion shoot. But other than that, I thought the relationship they had with the homeless people uh, was very nice and very uh, unusual. Um, I love seeing New York City uh, pre like 1990. It's like we've got a grime that is in a lot of horror movies that we watch. Um, and it's just, it's just great. It's not scary, uh, but it's just a good movie and it's fun. And it actually has a, a good, a good plot. It's the story that I feel like drives uh, Chud along more than anything else. And I forget the other acronym for Chud. Do you have that on hand, Kevin? Contamination Hazard Urban Disposal. I thought Chud was fine. Um, it's very, very 80s B-movie, um, along with Toxic Waste, 
you have in the 80s, you have a lot of flamethrowers. So whenever anything's <laughs> yes, going on, it kind of kind of reminded me of like a lot of the like uh, vigilante action movies. For some reason, a guy always has a flamethrower. Like why mm-hmm. in New York City? Yeah, what, they don't have guns. <laughs> why, what do they need? Why do they have these all these flamethrowers? Um, I appreciated the uh, Lee jeans. Big ups to mm-hmm. Lee jeans. Prominent tag. That was a big old tag on the back of those jeans. You got that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like uh, tie clips would have come in handy for a lot of these characters. They have the, the, the tie is always dangling out there all over the place, getting askew. Fellas, get a clip. You want to clip that tie on there. It's not dangling around all over the place the whole time. Let's say you're in a movie. It's a little, I don't know, a little distracting. Um, I also thought this was pretty talky for a movie about, um, you know, cannibals who live underground. A lot of talking in this movie, I could have used more chud and less talking about the chud. Kind of reminded me like of uh, Life Force, which is another very talky. I like Life Force mm-hmm. a lot better than this, but it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you're making a movie about underground cannibals, and the, it, m- the whole movie is just like talking about them. Like, where are the chuds? You don't really actually get that much chud in this. Um, so, you know, I thought it was interesting. As mysterious, an bro. Yeah, what? They're mysterious, bro. Yeah, they're so mysterious you don't get to see them. Uh, you get, you know, a couple scenes the at best. the end. Like, where? give me, you know, less talk, more chud. Again, uh, like The Shape of Water, this is uh, reminds me a lot of The Creature of the Black Lagoon and also a little bit of Swamp Thing, but I see your, uh, your Goonies reference too there. Mm. It's kind of a mix of all that stuff, like covered in seaweed or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, this movie is so bad, it's bad, and so bad, it's good. Like this is like it's not it's so bad it's so good. Bad, bad, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's, it's bad. bad. And I love it in no, every it's way. It's you love. Okay, good. good I, I love. I love Chud Trent. Hundred percent right. Way too talky, and it's interesting that you talk about the fact that it's way too talky, and then Dave says, "Wait a minute, this movie has a budget. We've got some dolly shots." Like, so why would it be so talky? Why would you not see so much chud if they had a budget? Well, you know, you don't need to Actors. see the chud. It, it's it's literally pummeling you into submission to be like, just just go off the fact that the movie stands for cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. That should take your brain 88 minutes to figure out before you figure out if this movie has any substance at all. And the cinematography you talked about, Dave, love it. Great. Peter Stein did it. He went on to do Pet Cemetery, the, the 89 version. He went on to do uh, Friday the 13th Part 2. Um, there's a lot of people involved in this movie that never went on to do another movie. <laughs> the director, Douglas Cheek, primarily an editor in his entire career, he went on to do editing on two documentaries that I fucking loved. One was 2005's Walmart, The High Cost of Low Price. And then he went on to do, uh, uh, he also did 2004's Outfoxed, Rupert Murdoch's War on Journalism. So I love the fact that this like dude did this 84 movie, directed it, and then just continued editing movies, and then did these crazy documentaries that are like super liberal and, and outing these terrible corporations. The writer, Parnell Hall, this is the only screenplay he ever did. He was mostly a mystery writer 
not of movies, of books, and he was also a prominent crossword and <laughs> Sudoku <laughs> creator. Uh, we lost him in 2020, uh, uh, December of 2020, so just last month. Uh, they, like All of these people came together. We talk about it a lot on the show. A lot of people come together, and they do these weird horror movies. They have very non-horror backgrounds, but they just wanted to get this out of their system. And that is exactly what Chud feels like when you watch it. it. It's a bunch of people getting shit out of their system and having fun, and that's how you should feel when you watch Chud. This is a launching pad for so many actors that just played cops. Like they played <laughs> cops in this movie and then they were just hired as cops for the next 30 years. Uh, yeah, apparently the budget uh, did not afford um, a holster for the detective's gun. Detective Bosch, <laughs> he has the whole movie. Hey, good he has a gun Bosch. just like stuck like in the front Bosch. of his waistband, not even in his belt. He's just like got to stick this thing in there. I mean, I, I would think that like a shoulder holster wouldn't be beyond the budget of this movie. Um, I thought the scariest part was the plugged shower drain. You guys have ever oh. had an apartment oh, yeah. where like you take a shower and you start yes. getting the water up to your ankles Bad, bad news. That was very scary. Um, you know, you're going to have to like get a plunger or something. You know, I call the landlord. <laughs> and I was probably some hair down there. Who knows? Um, this results. She in a went bunch right of for the hanger, spraying. though. She was like, yeah. I know what's in there. <laughs> so that was scary. Um, and I loved my favorite quote was, I just found a dog mangled in my basement. I'd like to have someone come check it out. That's You're not having a good day. <laughs> Danny, you guys have the. Uh... The coat hanger unraveled, ready, at the ready next to your bathtub. Your listen, sink. I, no, you know what? I want to do a PSA about that right now. You don't need a coat hanger. Here's here's what you need to do. Whenever you get like the plugged up um, shower tub drain, toilet plunger is what you need. It's not you're you're going to be working there all day with a coat hanger. You're not going to get anywhere. Somebody uh, clued me into this a few years ago. Just take your toilet plunger and work that right on the drain. Boom, you're going to be back in business. See, I thought I had a chud for a while, and I, I was trying Drano. <laughs> yeah, I was no, trying Drano, Drano and I nah. didn't get rid of the chud. Nah. And then I realized it's just a clump of hair and, like, basmati rice. <laughs> basmati rice. <laughs> <laughs> I live with somebody who has a very thick head of curly hair. So me too. It's not. It's two n- of them. And, and yes, and it sheds. <laughs> We've been together for well over 20 years. And it's something I've had to accept very early on in the relationship, even before I was like mature enough to understand what I was accepting. It's not a plunger. It's not a coat hanger. Just go get yourself a good old fashioned snake. And Mm. that, my friends, you will throw up the first time you see what it produces. (laughs) Uh, It's not a chud. It's actually grosser than a chud. And you will see it more often than you see a chud in the movie chud. But it's very important to the existence of your relationship if you are in a relationship with a very thick, curly-haired individual. You got something creepy down in your drain? Call Chud Plumbing. (laughs) I've been scared. I've been scared before, like, when you pry the lid off and you, like, pull it Mm -hmm. out and you're like, oh, my God, it's a rat. Oh, no, that's just my hair. No big deal. Trent, where, where is your hair coming from? I'm worried now. I'm I'm a hairy guy. I, I got a lot of hair going on. Just wow. not on my head. <laughs> Great. Well, <Chud. laughs> 
Chud. Else about Chud? Dave talked about the grimy New York setting. This movie reminded me a lot of the episode where we talked about Maniac Cop. It, it's that New York vibe. That basket case. Basket yeah, basket case. case yes. Maniac oh. Cop. Mm-hmm. It's like that New York vibe that they were really capturing in this era that really suited a horror movie. But also, like, the homeless aspect of it. So you have this photographer. He's filming the homeless. And, you know, somehow gets involved with, you know, his future partner in Home Alone and Bosch, the detective. But what they were really talking about is this came out in, like, the height of Reaganomics. And Reagan had just cut funding to all low-income housing, which was leading to massive homeless issues. So, essentially, this movie was talking about a lot more than just you know, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. It was actually speaking to the way that this Republican administration was dealing with wealth inequality. And, you know, Reagan obviously is known for trickle-down economics, which we all know how that has worked out. But Very th- well for all of us, I exactly, think. Exactly, especially the people living underground that got radiation. Instead of turning into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they turned into chuds. Uh, so this this movie had a lot more to say than just uh, let's let's make a low budget horror movie with rubber suited monsters. You know, New York before like the '90s was terrifying. I mean, just it was just like everyone drove 90 miles an hour and everyone was a taxi, and there was steam coming out of the drains, and every person on the street had a leather jacket on. It was very very scary time. Sounds pretty cool to me. I do want to shout out John Hurd, who is the main character, George, the photographer that we're talking about. You already mentioned, Kath, that he's Peter McAllister from Home Alone. We also know him from Big. Um, He was actually in a horror movie that I was just talking to you guys about, Would You Rather. Um, He actually passed away in 2017, which I didn't know (gasps) until we we decided to watch this movie for the show. Uh, Daniel Stern, great. He plays the Reverend Shepherd. Um, obviously he's one of the wet bandits, but he was also in Leviathan. And uh, you have Christopher Curry, who plays Captain <laughs> Bosch, who has done a ton of TV. But I remember him from a, I think it's a horror movie, Starship Troopers, which is something that I hope down the line comes oh. up on the show, because that's a fun fucking watch. You know, that would be paired good with Robo- Robocop. Kevin, how, how many miles is a Leviathan? Is that 13.5? Uh, I get confused. Or is it 25? <laughs> That's a half marathon. I don't know. A oh, Leviathan, oh, okay. a Leviathan <laughs> a must Leviathan. be like six miles below the sea, Trent. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. No, it's like, a, it's like a little wafer. It's a Leviathan. <laughs> is it Leviathan or Leviathan? Am I fancying a word up again? Leviathan. <laughs> yeah, our producers are, are calling and they said it's Leviathan. Uh, I, pr- I prefer Triscuits. Leviathan. The Leviathans. I hate you. <laughs> so much. Uh, Kevin, fuck. you're doing a really good job not saying fuck you. Oh, you're just saying it. Uh, <laughs> so close. <laughs> um, look, Chud, Chud has stood the test of time. Chud. This is a clear cult classic. It has been brought up in pop culture so much. Anything from The Simpsons. 
Uh, the Flash, Clerks 2, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Donnie Darko mentions Chud. No, what? Yes. Chud, 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 Here's something that I found out that I was shocked by, is that Chud is one of the biggest inspirations to Jordan Peele's delving into horror. So if you if you watch the movie Us in the beginning, there is a VHS copy in the opening scene of that movie. Here's why. Hannah Cheek. So I mentioned the director of this movie is Douglas Cheek. Hannah Cheek, his daughter, was a childhood friend of Jordan Peele's and said that he loved Chud so much and was obsessed with with a manhole cover that Douglas Cheek had in their house from the actual set of Chud. That to this day, Jordan Peele will admit that his films always delve into some of the societal and political things that Chud was bringing about. So if you think about what I talked about with Reagan and cutting cutting income to uh, low-income housing, and obviously at this time in 1984, the AIDS epidemic was going on. Peel is sort of pointing towards minorities instead of the homeless and war vets that come up in Chud and AIDS. So that was something that, like, literally when we picked this movie to talk about, I never in a million years would have imagined that I could go down a rabbit hole on Chud and discover that it was an inspiration for Jordan Peele's now high societal commentary horror that he's putting out there. I would never have imagined that either. This is on Tubi, I think, and uh, you can rent it on a couple of the uh, one-stop shop platforms. Uh, and isn't Bud the Chud free on like Prime? Oh, the sequel. Bud the Chud is. I haven't oh, seen it. Low. Oh boy! It's the same guy who's in the sequel to Pet Cemetery. You know what I'm talking Pet about? Pet Cemetery Two. The, the stepdad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh. There's the stepdad. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of the similar character as Bud the Chud. Oh, okay. He was good in Pet. He was the best thing about Pet Cemetery too. Because in Chud Two, they have kind of more of a personality. It's a more personable Chud. <laughs> in 2007, before Rob Zombie did whatever movie he did in 2008, uh, he was supposed to be. Uh, studying a remake of Chud. I would be interested Chud. in a remake. And uh, there's <laughs> articles out there you can find talking uh, with Rob Zombie talking about it. And there's actually, if you go online, there's a lot of people that want a remake of Chud, which Chud. you don't necessarily always find from a cult classic horror like Chud. But I would love to see what somebody in 2021 <laughs> and beyond yeah. could do with a movie like Chud. I'm surprised it hasn't been done. This is this is ripe for this is a rare like quote unquote classic that I would be I would be into a remake that like has a budget and you get to like actually yes. like see chuds. That'd be great. See chuds. chuds. That is a common criticism. I mean, I mean, it's a horror movie and every single kill is off screen. I know. That's uh, the thing. Like wow, I didn't even think of that. So, I mean, I don't know what you get out of this podcast, I mean, about Chud. I mean, I would come away from this not knowing if I should see it, if I should not see it. We hate it. We love it. I don't know. Uh, I think you could watch something else probably be fine. How dare you watch this movie? Come on. I've had worse picks. Leprechaun 4, obviously. We talk about movies that, that you should watch. 
that are that, that are so hard to watch that you should watch mm-hmm. once. And I would say this is on the other end of the spectrum. Just throw it on. Going down the spectrum. Yeah. It's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic. That you should watch once if you want to be a mm. horror aficionado. Yeah, exactly. Like us. I think it's one of the must-see classics. I think both movies this week are must-see classics. But, I mean, Chud, I mean, you have to take it for what it is, what year it comes out. Like, I slow my heart rate down when I have to watch something from the 80s. <laughs> Because everything just plays out so much slower than what we're used to now. Yes. Yeah, you're. Yeah, that's a good point, Dave. Chud is something that has somehow Chud. endured and been referenced in tons of pop culture. The Descent, on the other hand, is something more modern that pulls from the past and you know takes a lot of old things and pulls them into the present. 